Last week we were briefly uh, answering a, a question concerning this matter of partnership and we were talking a little bit about the concept and idea of, uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, maybe we can look at that just for a moment again this morning and try to finish up on this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it says in verse uh, 14, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. It's a general statement covering a broad range of uh, things such as marriage with unbelievers or uh, business partnerships, various alliances, uh, could even have to do with uh, uh, certain uh, treaties and this sort of thing where individuals might be involved. For what fellowship, this is the basis now for uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, or the rationale for not be, being unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what uh, communion hath light with darkness, what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel, or what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and will be a father unto you. Ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now, before we looked at, at uh, this text, we talked just a little bit, for those of you that weren't here, we talked a little bit about the, respon the responsibility the believer has to invest, to trade, to occupy until the Lord comes. Also, uh, we talked about the fact that Scripture says that we're to make friends of unrighteous mammon. That is, we're to be wise in terms of the of the things of the world, and we're not to, uh, we're to we're to do it for a totally different purpose, with a totally different motive in mind. Uh, the major reason that we accumulate funds as believers in Christ is so that we can make them available to God, so that we can be good stewards. It, it's n the motive of uh, laying up treasure on earth uh, just for the sake of having treasure, for the sake of accumulating wealth, always is wrong for the believer. Um, there is, uh, it's wise, um, Scripture tells us for you to take care of your own family, to see to their future, to lay up for your children, uh, all of those things are scriptural concepts. Thrift is advised in Scripture and encouraged. And uh, diligence is encouraged. All of those things are a part of the financial picture. But when it comes to partnerships, there are limits put on it. And the limits, of course, have to do with the fact that, first of all, there is no basis for partnership. The, the idea of uh, the word translated in my version here, uh, fellowship, is not the usual word koinonia. That's the next word, which is translated communion. But what, what basis for partnership does righteousness have with unrighteousness? You come from a different base. Your value system is different. And as a result, 
there are there are conflicts that are set up whether you're talking about marriage or even dating or uh, business partnerships anything of that sort you, you first of all have a problem in the area that there's no basis uh, for partnership. There's no basis for an active participation together. Uh, that's the idea of the word medoke. Uh, the idea of, of uh, uh, being a colleague, a colleague in the sense of, of um, uh, sharing together. And then uh, a similar word is the word koinonia, between light and darkness. Obviously, there is no sharing in common with light and, uh, light and darkness. Uh, if you were here earlier this morning, um, before the sun started to rise, it was dark in here. Uh, you turn on a light, and the darkness flees immediately. Light and darkness are incompatible. And throughout Scripture, there is the, uh, the, the contrast made between light and darkness. And we're told even to beware because Satan will disguise himself as an angel of light. There has to be a sharing in common. Let me pause right here and tell you a little story. When we lived in uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, um, we had a lot of friends in several churches in the city of Spokane. Uh, back then, uh, something that was very popular, since they didn't have a lot of the restaurants we have today, uh, were cafeterias. Uh, cafeterias are kind of frowned on a little bit now. Uh, they have smorgasbords and all of that, but cafeterias uh, were not, uh, are not as popular today as they once were. Uh, one of the finest restaurants, uh, as far as good food was concerned, in uh, the city of Spokane was a cafeteria in down, downtown. And um, it was an excellent place, and the chef was a Christian man by the name of Chef O'Malley. Uh, chef O'Malley was... Uh, a uh, member of uh, what was then Fourth Presbyterian Church, now Fourth Memorial Church, in the city of Spokane, and uh, he was a good friend of the folks. And I was, of course, just a boy growing up. But I'll never forget the lesson that I learned from uh, from this man and a serious mistake that he made. Uh, he was employed by the cafeteria, and uh, but had the reputation uh, of one of the finest chefs in the city, and. Um, a lot of businessmen ate at the cafeteria, and, and uh, one day um, several of them were sitting at a table and discussing how good the food was, and they asked if they could talk to uh, Chef O'Malley, and they said, certainly, and uh, they talked with him, and they said, you know, we, we uh, got talking here at the table, and we got a little money we would like to put into a restaurant, but we would like to have it be your restaurant. And uh, with your expertise and your ability, uh, we would like to, to uh, put up uh, the money for the restaurant and give you a partnership, a full partnership with us. Uh, and we'd like to call it Chef O'Malley's. And uh, so he said, well, he said, uh, that sounds good. Uh, he assured him there was a lot of money in it, and he assured them that that wasn't the major motivation. but that if he could better serve the public and so on, then that'd be a great thing. And he said, there are some stipulations. I'm a Christian. And because I'm a Christian, there are several things that I would want to be assured of in terms of our relationship. And so very carefully, 
uh, he laid down the stipulations. One was uh, that there be no alcoholic beverages served in the restaurant. And uh, others were other things relating to his Christian testimony, things that he was just concerned about. And they laid it all down in very careful contractual language. He took it to an attorney that happened to be in the church, and the attorney looked it over very carefully. And uh, I'll never forget uh, the proud day that we drove down uh, Trent Avenue in those days. There's now a freeway, of course. You don't drive down Trent anymore. Um, and came to a, a very strategic spot where uh, Trent Avenue goes one way and another major road goes the other, right on where the road veed, there was a piece of property purchased and a beautiful restaurant called Chef O'Malley's. And uh, uh, the time went on and the restaurant uh, prospered. Uh, he never could get into the parking lot. It was one of the finest restaurants in town. And uh, one day, after some time had gone by, um, we were driving down the street, and here on the old cafeteria, there was a big sign saying, Chef O'Malley is back. And uh, they were advertising the fact that they had once again gained the employee of Chef O'Malley. And uh, I, I remember saying to my mom, how'd that happen? I thought he had his own restaurant. And uh, mom told me the story, that Chef O'Malley had made this partnership with these unsaved men. And uh, the result was disastrous. They kept picking away at his convictions. And of course, he was outnumbered. He was a full partner with uh, four, I think, other fellows, uh, giving him uh, one-fifth of the responsibility. And yet, here his name was on it, and uh, his reputation, and all of the rest. And of course, the real problem arose when uh, they decided that they could make a better profit if alcoholic beverages were served. And Chef O'Malley had deep, deep convictions against that. And he said, absolutely not. There's no way. I compromised a little bit here and a little bit there because I wanted to be a good partner, but I, I cannot go along with this. They insisted and they pressed. Well, they uh, took him to court and uh, so on and so forth to uh, break his, break the contract and uh, they had had some kind of loophole in it and sure enough they put in alcoholic beverages and Chef O'Malley uh, talked with his attorney and they figured out a way that he could gracefully step aside and uh, the only way he could do it was if uh, they left his name on the thing and Chef O'Malley for about a year after that uh, used to drive down that road and see that place with his name on it and right beside it he saw the big sign cocktails and uh, it broke his heart literally broke his heart as he would drive back and forth to work from uh, the valley and see that place uh, it, it just made him sadder and sadder and sadder he done everything he could to have his name removed but eventually the Lord took care of it because without his cooking the restaurant wasn't too good anymore, and it only took about a year for it to go into bankruptcy, and uh, he was back cooking at the cafeteria. That's a sad story, but it's a true story. Just simply a story of a man who has the highest possible motives, the highest possible values, who thought he could share in common with men who don't, ha don't share his convictions. I would say, you know, that 
we have uh, you have a, a problem with partnership, not only with unbelievers, but you have a problem with partnership with anyone who doesn't share your convictions. If you do not have uh, convictions based upon the absolute truth of the Word of God, uh, and someone else does, then there will always be a jeopardy in that partnership. There cannot be true fellowship. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. You can't have fellowship when you are light in the Lord and they are in darkness. And so that's a second reason. There is no basis for a sharing in common. And then Christ and Belial. And between them there is, here's the word, S-U-N-P-H-O-N long E S-I-S. Now, if you look carefully, especially if you change the upsilon to a Y, which we do in English, you have symphony. Phonos is a word which means sound. Soon means with. It means to sound together. Uh, it's the word for harmony. What harmony? Uh, what uh, a symphony is there between Christ and Belial, one of the uh, names for uh, satanic power, satanic working, Christ and Belial. Can you imagine Christ and the devil singing a duet? That's the, the picture that's being drawn here. Uh, there always will be discord. you know why? Because Satan sings in a different key. And when you got two people singing even the same song, in a different key, there is not going to be harmony. There's no basis for harmony. Now you may think, wow, we, we've got everything squared away in our partnership. Uh, we know exactly, exactly what he's to do and what I'm to do, and everything is set up. But you see, there, is, there, there strikes a note of discord whenever, whenever there is a, is a person who is on the darkness side of the ledger rather than on the light side. The one that is on the unrighteous side rather than the righteous side. Now, you know, one of the things you should realize in going through the book of Proverbs is this tremendous contrast between righteousness and unrighteousness, between Christ and Belial. Uh, it, it, makes for a, it makes for no harmony whatsoever. And then, uh, how about the next one? There is no meris. Meris is a word that means a portion. It means uh, like a lot, like, a, uh, uh, like an inheritance, um, uh, like uh, the, person's, the destiny of a person. Uh, we're looking to an inheritance, undefiled, that fadeth not away. Our, our uh, citizenship is in heaven. Uh, and what, when a person believes, what how does he share the same destiny with the person who is the infidel? Obviously, he does not share the same destiny. Obviously, he does not share the same inheritance. Now, that takes a long look. It takes a much further look than the ordinary business contract looks at. Uh, most people uh, that talk about a partnership in business uh, do it for some kind of a limited time. Uh, but this looks even into eternity. And... Uh, the Christian lives with eternity's values in view. The unbeliever doesn't. 
you're, you're not even citizens of the same land. You do not have the same values. A lot of companies uh, invested uh, in, in foreign uh, 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 projects and foreign things. A lot of companies still do that. Uh, but there's a clear understanding uh, whenever you go, say, into a South American country uh, and uh, invest your money in an enterprise there. Let's say you build a big plant uh, for whatever reason. Uh, anybody who's studied the situation knows uh, that you may overnight lose it all. It's a gamble at best. And uh, the reason is because their governments down there have different rules than ours. And uh, right now, of course, there still are a lot of people that are trying to get some of their money out of uh, Iran. And uh, they're, not, they're probably not going to, uh, simply because when the Iranian government changed, uh, the Shah was no longer in power. Uh, those that took over uh, confiscated everything. And it all belongs to them now. And uh, you say, well, wow, you know, they don't do that in this country. Well, uh, it's fine. Everybody goes into that knows the risk. And uh, if they lose it all, then th that, was, that was the gamble, all right? But you see, it's much easier, it's much better in some ways for a person to invest in this country. Why? At least he's dealing with people that are operating under the same rules, okay? You see, the problem is that how would you like to be in a baseball game and in the middle of the baseball game, everybody changes the rules. You could hardly win the game, especially if they change the rules to favor them. You know, you, I remember we used to play, used to play with uh, uh, in the lot, and I'll never forget one time a guy was up at bat, and uh, and uh, he swung, and he said, That's "Strike five. And it was a guy came along, and he said, "What are you doing?" And we said, "We're playing baseball." He says, no, you're not. What do you mean we're not playing baseball? Yes, we are. He said, I heard you say strike five. He said, you can call your game anything you want, but don't call it baseball. In baseball, there are three strikes, and that's it. If you get strike five, it's some other game, but don't call it baseball. If you're going to call it baseball, then play by the rules. Well, the problem is that a lot of times when you're in partnership with a, with a person who has a different value system than you, is that the rules change in the middle of the game. I said last week that if you invest your money in a firm that is just part of the world, they, it's fine. There's no law against it. In fact, Scripture encourages us to trade till he comes, and I think to invest your money carefully, wisely, is good. But remember who you're dealing with and realize that the risk is not so much as whether the stock goes up and down, up or down. The real risk is that when you invest your money with a person who has a worldly value system, there may be all kinds of disaster that can happen to it because there is no real basis as far as they're concerned for morality unless they're committed to the Word of God. And I, by the way, some people say, but you know, some unbelievers have more moral values than some Christians. That's correct. That's correct. They do. But, let me tell you, there are degrees of control by Satan. And when a person is on, an unbeliever, he is totally, hear me, totally under the domination 
of Satan so that Satan can do with that person what he will. Do you know why he's moral? I'll tell you why. Because it suits Satan's purpose for that unbeliever to be moral. You can count on that. Satan has him like a puppet on a string. Have you ever noticed? The guy that is the most moral man in the community, he's not a believer, but he is more moral than more, most believers. Upstanding citizen. All of the rest, all of the sudden, the papers scream out that this wonderful man has absconded with all the bank's money. And you say, good night. I can't believe that. How did he fall so quickly? It's simple. Satan pulled the string. And the man did the thing that was dishonest. Because he's under the control of Satan. When a person knows Jesus Christ as Savior, I'm not talking about a person who professes it, but does not possess it. But when a person gives real evidence of fruit in his life, that he's a true believer in Jesus Christ, that individual is no longer under the control of Satan. However, he can yield to Satan in certain areas, and Satan can regain a foothold in his life. And so an unbel I mean, a believer can still do the immoral thing. If he begins to make provision for the flesh, if he begins to yield to Satan in some area of his life, he is capable, capable of a moral fall just like the unbeliever. That's why he has to stay so close to Christ. And if you have a partnership with an unbeliever, recognize he's under the control of Satan. And sooner or later... When Satan sees it suits his purpose either to, to take from you that which is your rightful, uh, your rightful uh, um, uh, possession so that you cannot invest it properly in the Lord's work or some other reason, Satan can just pull the right string and that man can have a moral fall tomorrow. He thinks he wouldn't. He thinks that would never happen to me. But Satan dominates it. But with the Christian, I think it's very, very important to not even consider a partnership with a person who does not have a commitment to live by the Bible, to live by the Word of God, to grow as a Christian. It doesn't mean he has to be perfect, because you'll never find a partner that's going to be perfect. But I'd monitor it very carefully. I think if I were going into a business partnership with a man, I would want to meet with him weekly to study God's Word. And when that weekly Bible study goes by the wayside because he's too busy, I would begin to rescind the partnership. I would find men to get involved with who, are, who have the same value system because they have the same Lord and because they get their instructions from the same Bible. That's what I call a safe partnership in every sense of the word. Now there's one more. The temple of God with idols. And here's the word soon, which means with again, and then to Thamai, which is actually uh, to place or to put. Actually, this word is, it was a technical term. It means literally to put together the votes. How could you ever get the temple of God to put together their votes with the temple of idols? How could you ever expect to be able to vote in unanimity when you've got two separate entities headed, this, headed a different direction totally entirely? How could you ever, you know, it's bad enough, some of you that, that have no vote, you work for a company, 
that makes decisions which have nothing to do with spiritual things. I think one of the biggest enemies of, the, of a stable church is industry. One of the biggest en enemies of a church, because you know a stable church is a church that can maintain the, the same people working together over a long period of time. The whole design of the church was to have uh, to have a certain amount of the church in and out, of course, because you have people that, that move away and change locations and so on and so forth just automatically. But many, many communities have had churches where the church is thriving, it's going fine, and then all of a sudden uh, uh, some industry decides to move all of its employees to Timbuktu. And everybody moves out of the community. Now you've got to start all over again. God, God uh, uh, recognizes in his word that it takes time to build relationships. And relationships are what the church is all about. And I'll tell you, sometimes I, I get so concerned. We just begin to, to, to get close to somebody uh, and, and they begin to find ministries in the church and poof, their company wants to move them. We've had a number of men who have gone to explore They've gone to the place. They've not found a church. The first thing they did when they got into town, they looked for a church. And when they could not find the kind of church that they felt they wanted to, to uh, uh, have their family in, they went back to their boss and says, no, I, I don't want to take the promotion. And the boss says, why? This is the greatest opportunity in the world. Well, I couldn't find a church. He goes, oh, brother. <laughs> you can imagine. And they, they thought they were crazy. Well, in each case, the Lord has proved himself strong on their behalf, and uh, they've been they've been stable. I I think that I think that the very first thing that you should look at if your company wants to transfer you, if you have any option at all, very first thing is find out if they have a church that will really meet your needs. Secondly, find out what the schools are like as far as your kids are concerned, and uh, third, find out what kind of a community it is in terms of of whether or not. Raise your family. Along with it, of course, pray earnestly that God will give you good sense and guidance and all of the rest of it. But let the business aspect of it be the last consideration. Put the Lord first in that decision, and it will make all the difference to the world. But what I'm getting to is you have no vote in that. Nobody asks you whether or not you want the company to be transferred to Timbuktu. And it's hard enough because the, you say to the boss, well, why is the company moving? And they give you this silly, stupid, carnal reason. They didn't even think of the people involved. They didn't even think of whether or not they'd find a church or a school or anything else. They didn't even think about that. They just simply said, we're sending you. See? And they move people like pawns. Well, that's bad enough. But how would you like to be involved in a partnership where you have a vote but your vote is constantly negated by the fact that the other person has a totally different value system than you. And so it's talking there about placing your votes together. And there is no room for it between the temple and the idols. Now, the, then it goes on and says, Ye are the temple of God. Just so that you understand, here's where you stand. You are on this side. You're the temple. You're the believer. You're the one who has Christ. You're the one who walks in the light. You're the one who has the righteous standard. That is the, that is the side that you're on. You are the temple of the living God. And notice, the living God 
making special emphasis upon the fact that God is alive. He's not dead and he's concerned about this whole thing. And then it says, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, on the basis of the fact that he is in us and he's going to walk among us, come out from among them. Who's the them? All this sign. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. What will happen? I will receive you. And what will I do? I'll be a father unto you. You'll be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So you have the, the idea of... Uh, of, of partnership all the way through here as well uh, as marriage partners and all the rest. Uh, George Ferguson mentioned to me last week that, that a uh, um, partnership is marriage without love. That's what you have in a business relationship. You have marriage without love. There's no basis for love on the other part of the other person. And so you may have a partnership, but you do not have a partnership on the proper Christian basis. Now, it's for that reason that you shouldn't enter into partnerships with unbelievers. And of course, there's a very there are very complicated things today. Um, there are uh, now simple investments that really are just that, just simply an investment. Um, yet they there is a certain kind of a limited partnership that is involved, and uh, you have to examine it. Uh, every case probably is a little different. I think that what Scripture is saying is giving us uh, a sort of a general picture of partnership. And there are nuances within the framework uh, that, could, that, that, that some, people, uh, some people have to, have to uh, live with. And uh, uh, I, I started out by saying, would you not uh, invest or put your money, say, into a savings and loan, unless they were a Christian savings and loan? Well, probably not. I mean, probably you would put your money into uh, a savings and loan, regardless of whether they were Christians. There are not too many Christian savings and loans around. Um, but uh, one of the things about a savings and loan uh, is that they are governed by certain rules, which are set up. And they're very clear, and the government requires that they operate by those rules. And they're probably what we would call the, quote, safest investment that a person can make, is just putting your money in a passbook account at a savings and loan. And they, they have to operate under guidelines that are set down. Those guidelines, I would, from my standpoint, do not violate the, the scripture in any way that I can find. All right? Um, you go down through the listing of the things that they want to do, um, there are a number of things that any kind of a business relationship could violate. One is uh, uh, get rich quick. Scripture says he that would, would have wealth, he that would get rich quick, uh, has an evil eye. And uh, God condemns the evil eye. Uh, greed, covetousness, all of those things are involved. And, uh, of course, we all know the higher the risk, the greater the return. Uh, and so when you're with a savings and loan, you get a low return, but you, have, you, you don't have much risk. 
a certain amount of risk, of course, in any investment, but that investment at least draws some interest without having a very high risk and insured up to $100,000 by an agency of the federal government, which doesn't sound very secure to me. Nevertheless, you know, <laughs> it's, it's something that where there's a, there's, there's a limited risk, all right? And you know the ground rules before you go in. And basically, those ground rules cannot change. If they do change, you have the simple option of removing your money without any complication or problem because you're operating under the set of rules you were given at the time you put your money in the bank, right? So if they change the rules and it suddenly became immoral to invest in a savings and loan, you can get your money out tomorrow, or I guess you gotta let them know a little bit ahead of time, but you can get your money out under the old set of rules. So there's nothing wrong with that. Now, from there then, you go all the way to a full partnership. And along the way, you have to examine each case on its own merit. Once again, how much involvement is there in, a, say, a limited partnership? How much involvement is there where uh, I uh, uh, am a stockholder in a company? Um, how much, uh, how much involvement is there uh, in terms of my, uh, my responsibility and my name? I know that Chef O'Malley would tell you, don't ever let anybody use your name on anything. Where unbelievers are involved. Because he looked at that place day after day for a year. Chef O'Malley, cocktails. And to him, it was a reproach to the name of Christ. We handed out a little card Sunday night in connection with our message that simply said, God's reputation is at stake in my life. I want to maintain it, not stain it. God's reputation is at stake in my life. Whatever you do, in, in whether it be eating or drinking or whatever it is, even what you wear or, or where you go, remember you do it, notice, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The name of a person spoke of the character of the person, the reputation of the person. When you do something in Christ's name, you're doing it based upon his character. And his character, his reputation is at stake in your life. No question about it. And your life will reflect his glory or will shame his name. And so, whatever you do, do it heartily, not unto men, but unto God. And realize that God makes it clear there's nothing wrong with working for an unsaved employer. And be a witness to him. You're going to have certain persecutions because of the different value system, but that's, that's all right, because by your well-doing, you'll put to silence the foolishness of ignorant men. And you will bring blessing along with you like Joseph did in Potiphar's house. But on the other hand, to enter into a partnership would be wrong. And the reason is because of a totally different value system. So all the way down the line, you have to, have to decide where a partnership begins and where it stops. And any place where you are entering into an agreement with other men who do not know Christ as Savior, and uh, you are... are um, a partner with them, uh, where you have to make decisions, where their weight is weighed against your weight in terms of the decision-making process, you have a you have a serious problem.
when they're unbelievers and you're a believer. All right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, you'd be surprised. You know, God's way is, seems so backwards sometimes. But I think that when a person, when a person uh, uh, becomes a believer and begins to recognize these things, he should begin to take moves, make moves, without hurting them. The, the, the important thing is the testimony at this point. Uh, but there, if you take the amount of time that's necessary to dissolve a partnership uh, in a good way, so that even if I take a loss, it's better for me to take a loss and be living scripturally in that area uh, than it is to, to continue. Now, um, we have a guy in the church who uh, probably could give you a little, uh, a little bit of uh, testimony concerning this very thing because uh, uh, he entered into a partnership without really ever being taught what the scripture had to say about it. And uh, by, by the, at the time that, uh, that he be discovered this, his business was doing so great. And the thing was so sweet. He decided, okay, no problem. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to just leave it the way it is. Status quo. And um, only fairly recently, uh, the other stockholders in the company uh, who are all unbelievers uh, got their proxies together and uh, ousted him as president of the company and uh, since it's not a dividend company since they do not pay dividends uh, they just simply voted to have him not be with the company anymore he still owns all this stock but that's worthless he, has, he doesn't have enough votes to change anything and, uh, and, and he's absolutely out on a limb without a penny and uh, there, if he would have sold that partnership out, they, there were those that would have been gladly been able to buy that. He could have sold that out and, and invested in another company and, and would have been in good shape. But instead, uh, an unscrupulous partner of over 25 years, I believe, uh, cheated him out of his portion, is what it amounts to. And uh, uh, he was able to to bring about change that, that left him totally penniless as far as the company was concerned. And it's really a tragedy. Uh, then, of course, you've got the problem. What does a Christian do? Does he go to court against a guy like that? Well, it's a tough question. Uh, the, the, uh, uh, the way the partnership was set up, it was not uh, explicit anyway on a thing like that. And so he'd probably lose in court anyway. And the, the, really the thing that's important now, of course, is a testimony that he bears. But it's a very tragic thing. And he had a chance to get out, and he didn't. And uh, that was his mistake. And I think that you have to be careful. I think if a guy that is, that is say, the heart of a company, um, I don't know whether you are or not, Bill, but um, uh, a guy that's the heart of the company, like Chef O'Malley as an example, uh, he, was the, he was the restaurant. And he was the franchise, if you please. Um, and, uh, uh, of course, when he stepped out, the company went bankrupt because he was so vital. And he did it uh, correctly because they were changing the ground rules. But if you have partners that have been good partners all the way down the line, you have to be careful you don't leave them high and dry and just suddenly say, I'm a Christian now, I'm, I'm dropping out of the company, pulling all my money out. And they go flop because of that. They're not going to think much of Christians. 
And so you have to be careful to do it, to do it gently and wisely and all of the rest and make sure you don't leave them high and dry, but begin to move toward a goal of independence from a partnership of that kind. Uh, remember, remember what it says in uh, uh, 2 Timothy 2, No man that warreth entangleth himself, entangleth himself, ensnares himself in the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath called him to be a soldier. One of the things that you have to say in this regard is that when you are in business, no matter what business you're in, keep your assets fluid. Keep your assets fluid enough so that if God wants to uh, uh, call you to the mission field, you can liquidate those assets uh, within a reasonable amount of time and be able to do what God wants you to do. Uh, you've got to be sensitive. You see, you've got a different boss than most people. And uh, he may, uh, he may uh, uh, tell you to do something that to them is totally irrational. And what if God, what if God laid on your heart to uh, do like R.G. Letourneau did? If R.G. Letourneau had had even Christian partners, he might have had a problem. Because why? He wanted to give away 96% of all of his assets. Of course, you've got to remember, you can live pretty well on 4% of $100 million. So don't, uh, you know, don't think that Letourneau was hurting, but he gave away 96% of his income. He could only do that because he was, uh, uh, he was, was not engaged in an entanglement that would keep him from being a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Uh, this uh, silver company, uh, can't think of the name of it right now, uh, God Owns My Business. Imagine that, uh, saying, going into your unsaved partners and saying, uh, God has, has spoken to me um, through his word, and I've decided uh, that I want to uh, make God the president of this company. You know, they look at you as if you've really flipped, and... Uh, uh, they, they are you know, going to get the guys with the little white jackets come get you uh, before long when you talk like that. Now, you can talk that way to me. And I don't understand what you're saying. You can talk that way to, to all the men in this room, and they'll understand. But you, tell, you say that to that unsafe partner, he's going to say you're crazy. If God is the president, you have to pay him a salary. You know, God's the, the major stockholder. Then he's got to he's got to get the dividends. How in the world do you arrange that? You got a spaceship to heaven or what? You know, well, you know how it can be done. But they don't understand that. That's a totally different concept. And so you have to you have to remain fluid enough so that you can always be sensitive to God's will. What if God laid it on your heart? Give all your money away. Well, your partners would say you're crazy. See? But you could do that as a Christian. And I think you want to examine that. Do I still have that privilege or have I limited myself because of this partnership from being able to do what God wants me to do? Other questions? Yeah. Yeah, I think there, again, you it depends on, on your, your contract relationship. Now, of course, as the general partner or the... And there's a limited partnership type of, of, of affair. The general partner, if he's a Christian, you, you, you are uh, on fairly safe ground. It would, be, it would be really good if that Christian was living by the Bible, though, see? If he's living by the Bible, I don't think he would want to have a lot of partners 
with with a limit, even a limited amount of say. I don't think he would want to to, to do that uh, with unbelievers. I think he would be safer to have Christian investors. But uh, obviously, there are people that are looking for a good investment with no strings attached. In other words, they want a, a dollar in and certain number of dollars out, depending on how the company is done. And to receive money, or to, you know, the uh, Valley Church uh, borrowed money uh, to build the sanctuary. All right? And uh, um, with a little bit more faith, they probably could have built it without that debt. In September of this year, we will be totally debt-free. We will have no debts. If I have anything to say about it, uh, we won't get involved in that, uh, that aspect of it again. I think there are other ways uh, to handle assets rather than going to a bank uh, uh, and, and having to deal with them. Um, and so, you know, we will try every alternative. That doesn't mean we would never borrow anything from a bank. I might personally uh, tell you uh, my philosophy of borrowing, by the way, is that, that I will not borrow except where I have the money in the bank to pay, uh, to pay that back. That's been my philosophy all along. In other words, I let's say I want to buy a car. Um, I've got no problem with going to the bank and paying the bank the going rate of interest to buy a car, uh, as long as I have the money in the bank to pay cash for that car. If I want to cash it out at any moment, I want to be able to do that. Uh, on the other hand, with our house, you have to deal with with uh, with a bank, and that's a that's an appreciating, hopefully, an appreciating piece of property. Uh, therefore. Uh, I can always get my assets out to pay the bank back. I'm not going to go to heaven uh, without uh, the collateral to pay my unbelieving uh, creditors here. Know what I mean? I mean, I don't even want to leave a testimony, a bad testimony behind the tribulation. I don't know about you, but I'm not going through the tribulation. And so therefore, uh, <clears throat> you know, when I leave, they can confiscate my house. And they came out even, they came out better than even, and therefore I, I feel that I'm, uh, I'm in good shape. But I, I'm very careful about borrowing, I always have been. And uh, I don't owe anybody anything, and uh, I, I, uh, except for our house, obviously. But the, but the church, the church, uh, by the way, in September of this year, will burn its mortgage, and we won't have any uh, loans at all. And the, the piece of property we're purchasing uh, is a contractual agreement uh, to pay that property over a period of years uh, to a Christian man, and uh, there's really no uh, uh, there, there's no entanglement uh, when it comes to that. So uh, we're debt free for all practical purposes. Kind of nice, you know. Uh, but if we were to have to borrow to to do something, uh, we couldn't limit that necessarily uh, to a Christian organization to Christian people but it does it does put you uh, as it says that the in the book of Proverbs um, can't remember the date but uh, I mean the place but it says that the servant or excuse me the, the the borrower becomes a slave or a servant to the lender and there's a certain sense in which we have a secular bank who has a certain amount of control and say about our property because they hold the mortgage on that property. And I don't, that's not a very good feeling, you see. So when you're in a limited partnership of some kind, and uh, there are all kinds of investors that are pouring in their money, it can, 
it, it, it depends on the, on the style of the thing. It depends on whether people have votes or whether they have any say. All of those things would make a difference. But uh, uh, again, I would not be afraid to uh, buy a piece of stock or to enter into a, a partnership. But I, I had a, a situation. I, I've got a small amount of money uh, invested in, in a uh, partnership a limited partnership type of thing. I'm not sure whether the, all the investors are Christians or not. Uh, the people we invested with are Christian people, but there's, there was a problem involved in it. And uh, um, I, was, I was concerned more by far about the testimony of the thing than anything else. And some of these Christian people were coming back on the, on the, the general partner because of, of uh, you know, natural disaster which uh, threatened the investment, all right? Not, not any, any of his doing. It wasn't mismanagement or anything like that. And they were coming back on him, uh, upset at him. And he didn't do anything. God did it, all right? And uh, people were, some people were, some of the Christian people that I know, some of them were demanding their money. Well, I wasn't really, uh, I was concerned about it. It was a, a fair amount of money, not a whole lot, but... Uh, I was concerned that we not lose it, but at the same time as I heard this more and more and more, one day I just sat down and wrote a letter to the general partner, and uh, I just told him, I says, look, I said, uh, if you want to just absolutely cut, my, cut mine off, I am happy to surrender it. You can have it. If you can use any of the assets that I have in this thing, to, to stop the other people from being disappointed, then you go ahead and use it however you want. I'll be glad to lose it rather than have the Lord, Lord's name uh, offended in this situation. Now, I was serious. And uh, I don't know yet what will happen to that investment uh, because right now it's still in the air. All right? And that's fine. And I try to, as a good steward, I try to keep track of where it's going and what it's doing and all of that. I want to, I want to do that wisely. I want, to, I want the Lord's money to be used wisely and all the rest. And I'll do my part, whatever that part may be. But at the same time, if it comes to a question of whether or not the testimony of the Lord is going to be besmirched or I'm going to be able to gain part of my asset back, I'll give up the assets and let the Lord be honored. And I've gone on record that that's my attitude in the thing. And uh, because I will not, as some of the people were talking about suing and all of this kind of thing, there's no way. One of the reasons why we're never to take a brother to law, uh, because the Lord's name is, is besmirched. And you get this, guys? Listen to this. It says, it tells us there where Paul talks about, about taking a brother to law, and he, he rebukes the Corinthian church because they've even allowed such a thing to take place. He says, look, you're going to judge angels. You're going to judge angels. How in the world can you take a brother to a pagan court? If the church can't settle it, then there's something wrong with the church. Obviously, there was something wrong with the church then, wasn't there? I mean, believe me, it's an essential thing that Christians act like Christians 24 hours a day, even if a lot of money's at stake. And I've seen a lot of Christians, when a little bit of money was at stake, just go crazy. And it shows where their value system is. And I don't want to leave my family destitute, but I'd rather do that than besmirch the name of the Lord. So be careful of your partnerships. 
and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I were to do it again that maybe I would, I would be interested in uh, knowing, if possible, who the other investors are sitting down with them and praying with them and asking God's guidance on the whole project. That might be a better way to do it. And 2020 hindsight's always, yes? Well, I think you, I think you are faced again with a, with a real dilemma. Say if the, within the family uh, there is um, uh, the, the unbeliever um, and or a, a carnality involved. Um, I think that I think that you have to beware of it. Um, some of those things come sort of, in a sense, sort of naturally. Father-son relationship uh, is probably a stronger tie, which you have no control over, obviously. Uh, probably a stronger tie than than most other business partnerships. And there's a different a different level of relationship there entirely. But I still think that, that uh, uh, I would be very, very careful. I think, it would be, I think I would prefer to work for my father uh, if he was non-believer or have him work for me. That'd be even better. <laughs> Rather than enter into a, into a business partnership. Again, because you've got to make decisions and those decisions will be affected by the fact that one's in, in the light, one's in the darkness. So I'd just be careful of it. Well, it's an interesting subject, isn't it? I'm sure there's a lot more we could uh, talk about. But I just say, don't be hasty in those kind of things. And be wise. And learn your lessons well. Um, e even though you may lose a little money in the process, learn from it. The more money you, you lose, then the, the better lesson you ought to get out of it. All right? I mean, that's an expensive lesson. And I, I, one man I was talking to the other day uh, said, said to, to me in terms of a business partnership that had gone sour and it was an un, with an unbeliever. And uh, he, said, he said to me, uh, the lesson was, was worth what I lost because I learned in that area to obey Scripture. And he said it was worth it. And it was a considerable amount. So... Uh, Hey, watch it. Be careful. Uh, because uh, I don't know about you, but I can't afford too many expensive lessons. <laughs> all right. Father, we pray that each man that is here, with all of the alliances that we have to have in life, we pray that you'll help us all to be careful, to be wise, to have your direction. Lead us, Lord. Give us direction according to your word. Help us, Lord, not to be covetous. Help us not to be greedy. Help us not to get rich. try to get rich quick. Help us, Lord, not to have an evil eye. Help us, Lord, not to love wealth or to love money because it's the root of all kinds of evil. Lord, we pray that you will deliver us uh, from the kind, of, the kind of life that would cause uh, us to, to simply be preoccupied with the affairs of this life. Rather, Lord, we pray that you will give to us the ability to invest and to do so trusting you for gain or loss according to your own plan and will. Praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. I might suggest that you read 1 Timothy 6 sometime and take a look at what that has to say about wealth and riches.